Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Welcome back to Private Parts Unknown podcast that explores love and sexuality around the world. I'm Courtney Kosak. And I'm Sophia Alexandra. And we interrupt your regularly scheduled Comedians of OnlyFans programming with an extra special presentation. Sophia, we're interrupting a special with a special. How fucking special is that? It is so special. I just slid off my chair. That's how special (laughs) it is. (laughs) Wet and special. Yes, because we have a really cool guest. We are talking to Katie Fischel today. And Katie is a great artist. She observes human nature and then she... Uh, regurgitates it back to us in really funny comics about sex. Yeah, she gives me hope for the future. She has this account. It's called Sex is Weird. It's an Instagram account just dedicated to how awkward and funny and, you know, shame-free we should all feel about sex. Katie's also a stand-up. I'm so excited to see her come up like the next few years. She's a young stand-up and she's just so funny all around. I love this interview. Didn't you love this interview? Yes. And uh, I obsessively like went through her Instagram, just spent hours going down the <laughs> holes. So um, I think after you guys hear this interview, if you've not seen the account before, you're going to do the same thing. Totally. Here we go. All right. So I am so excited we can make this happen. I'm a huge fan of your Sex is Weird Instagram. Thank you. Yeah. If you just want to give us a little background about yourself, and then we definitely want to dive in and hear about how this account got started. Yeah. I mean, I moved to LA like two years ago to do stand-up. I know y'all are stand-ups as well. So I was like, new in the comedy world and then I I've always drawn and uh I started making like little cartoons you know around the time that I moved out here and then I mean started putting them online were you drawing as a were were you always like a doodler as a kid and like have you always been drawing yeah I, I was a drawing major my freshman year of college and then that was sort of like the joy of that was like beaten out of me because it was like a fine arts Degree, and that's just like not my bag. But I've been drawing since I was little. I mean, I've been making comics since I was little, little, and then I put it away after that experience in college because I was just like, I'm not good enough. That's so fucked up. You pay them thousands of dollars, and they're like, no. I know it's fucking academia man like sometimes that training can beat out the talent and the spark and it's becomes counterintuitive and counterproductive for the person who's in school 
it's crazy. And I remember the moment that it did happen or one of the defining things, one of those things that just like never leaves you. And I was at an orientation for one of the schools that I had applied to this, this big art school in Chicago. And I went and we were doing a, um, like a free draw. There was, um, the term is leaving me when you have a live new figure drawing, figure drawing. Mm, yes. <laughs> I was a live uh, figure drawing model. So I was on the other side. Soph's mom has like her old figure drawing nudes <laughs> scattered around the apartment, her apartment in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just in a super chill way. So while you pee, you can be like, is that the naked Your drawing daughter? of the daughter <laughs> of you? I love to, oh my God. I love to do that to guests, sort of let them figure out your life through like the weird pieces of art. <laughs> <laughs> Easter eggs along the way. Um, that's crazy. Wait, your mom was a was a model, or you were? A I was a model, and she just was so proud. She's like, everybody, look at her titties. <laughs> that's awesome. My mom um, recently framed and hung up a. It's not, you know, explicit, but it certainly is like a painted portrait of my high school boyfriend with his shirt off. What? <laughs> that's amazing. Put away was not meant for anybody's eyes, but. Yeah. Hello, FBI. Yes, uh, I would like to report some child pornography hanging in this grown ass woman's house. Well, I was. No, I'm just kidding. Literally framed and hung in my childhood bedroom. I like discovered this like a couple of years ago. It's just like that. You know, this can't be this sweet. <laughs> That's so I sweet. I just love She's how so your proud. mom was like. I've always been a fan of him. She's like, no, no, I really. It's nicely rendered. You know. <laughs> Well, and by the, by it, I mean his. Yeah, this ex. is a child, and uh, you know, uh, but uh, <laughs> she's very proud. <laughs> but I remember the moment, basically, like yeah, I remember I was in a figure drawing class, and it was just a moment where I was like trying to draw, and we had like we did the exercises of like you have eight seconds to draw this figure, you have thirty seconds, and you have two minutes or whatever, and just to see how your hand works, whatever. And, and the teacher came. And he put his head over my shoulder and he looked at what I was doing and he was like, I don't see it. He just shook his head and went, I don't see it. And then he went across the room, saw somebody else's and he literally went, "Ugh, this is art. And then he held it up and it was the same shit. It was literally like a <laughs> And I was like, this is bullshit. Art school is bullshit. <laughs> I want no art. Yeah, some like old has been alcoholic artist is like, no, she doesn't have it. It's what? like, what? <laughs> Dude with half moon glasses and a goatee. No. Telling me, yeah, it was like, I can't, I can't. Fuck, how is he exactly the stereotype that I pictured? Yeah, it's like, yeah, dude, where's your scarf? It's just like, it's so funny. how I'm picturing a beret regardless or like a backwards hat. You know what I'm talking about? Like yeah. a newsboy cap or whatever the fuck, but yeah, backwards. Like, what were the, the like the director caps that are like the you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know they look backwards, like yeah, they're like the messenger boy caps. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> he speaks through a big cone in a like a big folding chair. Yeah, but anyway, see, so I didn't draw for a long time because I didn't think I was good at it, and then I kind of started again. What were you doing in that downtime where you were like, I guess I'm not going to be an artist. What's next? I mean, I like explored a lot of avenues. I mean, I dropped out of college and then I worked as like a 
a preschool teacher for a second. It was like a life crisis moment. I was like 19 in this preschool. Like, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> working for a year, miserable, miserable. And then, then got back into school, thought, okay, I can't draw, but maybe I like to write. So let's combine those two. So I'll be an art history major. And then I was trying to be like an art conservationist. And then I like interned at this place. And I was like, this is the most boring thing I've ever experienced in my life. And then and then after that, I was trying to be a chef for a while. And I was like, tr- like in kitchens and working in kitchens for years. And like, it just took me a long time to find my way back. I have to say it was it was se- several years. It's pretty fucked up that you got sabotaged by your teacher from like pursuing the love and the creativity that was already inside you this whole time. But the cool thing, I guess, is that all of the richness of your like other jobs and life experiences now contribute to your art and make your cartoons so much more poignant. Right. They would be without any life experience. Yeah, totally. Thank you. That's really kind. I mean, I think that is truly it's key with comedy in any way. I mean, I have also like a lot of my stand up is about, you know, like I have jokes about like writing in kitchens and being a nanny and like whatever. And it's all like I if I had started, I was all, you know, in my head about starting comedy so late when I moved to L.A. because I felt old. I was 25 when I moved to L.A. You're so stupid. But it's, yeah, it's like, but it's like, oh, you hear, you know, oh my God, well, so and so started when they were twelve, and I know there is that whole yeah. psychology. No, you're it. not wrong for thinking that. We've been convinced that by literally every part of the show business machine. But I just think it's so. The older I get, the more insane it is when I hear like young women say things like, "Oh, I thought I was over twenty-five, and I'm like, yeah, I was saying that even last year. And I was in my mid-30s then. You know what I mean? We say that all the time every year. We're like, oh, oh, I thought they buried me last year in the graveyard (laughs) with the other (laughs) 30-year-olds. But it does show how powerful the cultural narrative is. Yeah. Dude, what? It's really crazy because I thought that I was like able to – I'm from Tennessee. I'm not from – you know, I didn't grow up in like a big city – but like that narrative, like, oh, move to L.A., New York, it will change you, blah, blah, blah. Like that, you know, that stuff like won't creep in. And then as soon as I stepped foot in Los Angeles, I was like, I'm old. I'm too old. Too old. And it just, I don't know where, nobody told me that. It's just like, it just seeps into you. It's really unbelievable. Yeah, it's fucking toxic. And you don't notice it until you leave again. And like, that's why there's all these cheesy jokes about like, oh, uh, I'm a four in LA, but a 25 and whatever. Cause like the truth is the expectations for looks are way more reasonable and more like what people's actual likes are when you leave Los Angeles, because it's the land of make-believe and it's not offensive to the rest of the country. It should be really offensive to Los Angeles that here you have to be forever 21 and still have had plastic surgery and all this stuff for people to be like, you're hot, you're happening. And you go anywhere else and you're like, oh, I guess just being alive and being confident and happy with myself is good enough here. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's like that, that gorgeous, like double-edged sword that we have here as well, where it's like oh, well, you simply must look this way and be this young, but if we catch you trying, then you're fucked. Then Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, we see that you have Botox? Oh, well, then you're fake. Oh, we see that you work out like two hours a day? Oh, you're conceited. It's Mm -hmm. like, oh, you better not have an eating disorder, but you better be real thin, you know? Mm -hmm. It is is, uh, 
uh, hell. <laughs> but uh, but I, I do, you know, uh, hope that it is changing in some way, shape or form. I would love to believe that, you know, generationally and also like with this fucking pandemic that is like shattering everybody's lives and, you know, cracking open what we actually understand to be what is important and what is not. I hope to God we at least come out of this being like, maybe we don't have to have eight pack abs. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like maybe. I feel like we're seeing it a little bit, even just with women being allowed to have slightly longer careers than they ever could before. And like part of that is, you know, headlining women becoming producers in certain ways, which kind of changes the culture. But it is so slow to change. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. But that's what's cool about you being such a great creator and like a public woman creator. So especially on like somewhere like Instagram where people can get to see what you do on like a large scale and then feel like, oh, yeah, what I'm tripping like I should just do my thing, you know, and I think (laughs) that's really cool and super inspiring. I was going to ask you, how does your stand up, would you say, interrelate with like your art? I mean, I really for a long time tried to keep it separate. And I don't really understand why. I mean, I also will say a long time, meaning I created Sex is Weird about a year ago. You know, it's not old. And so, uh, and I started doing stand-up, you know, two years ago. So again, not old. All new, all new, all beautiful. But I will say that I, for, you know, the majority of the time that I've had this account, I was like, this is a completely separate thing. And uh, whatever. It's hard to say because, again, I was new with stand-up and whatever. But it's like, I do think I just, like, am more successful with the cartoons. I think I just, I found my voice faster with the cartoons than I did with stand-up. Absolutely. And so now it's like, well, you know, I have rewritten jokes that I told on stage for the cartoons, you know. But I used to not talk about sex that much on stage. I started to and then the pandemic hit. But, like... Now it's like, oh, I'll kind of write one-liners and raw one-panel one-liner things, you know, or like visual punch-up is like very fun in the way that like, oh, if I'm telling a story on stage, I was always extremely descriptive. And so then, you know, that translates into like, well, what is this character wearing? What are they like positioned like? You know, what's in the background? What's going on? You know, what What are they drinking? It's like it all can be information, you know, it, it all can be a joke. Hey, Sophia, how are those resolutions coming? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> okay, so not so good. But Sophia, it's not too late to turn your resolutions into reality in 2021. I have the perfect thing. Oh, God, please help me. I just had a whole cake for breakfast. <laughs> No, Sophia, you need Sakara. Sakara is a wellness company rooted in the transformative power of plant-based food. That's awesome. One of my resolutions was to eat less meat. Well, then Sakara's perfect because their organic, ready-to-eat meals are made with powerful plant-rich ingredients, and they're designed to boost your energy, improve your digestion, and get your skin glowing. Okay, that's another resolution to get my skin right then you need Saqqara. Plus, their menu of creative, chef-crafted breakfasts, lunches, and dinners changes weekly so you'll never get bored. And it's delivered fresh anywhere in the U.S. Awesome! And I just looked it up. It looks like Saqqara has received rave reviews from Vogue, The New York Times, and many more. That's right. And along with delicious, plant-rich meals, Saqqara also offers daily wellness essentials for optimal nutrition. 
Sakara's supplement packs called the Foundation and their Metabolism Super Powder deliver support for gut health, energy, immunity, and healthy skin. And on top of all that, right now, Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off their first order when they go to sakara.com slash private or enter code private at checkout. Ooh, I'm going to sign up. So that's Sakara, S-A-K-A-R-A.com slash private. And I'm going to get that sweet 20% off, honey. That's right. 20% off your first order at sakara.com slash private. So let's go back to when you found Joy in the Doodling. And how did you get the inspiration to start the account? And what were your first couple cartoons? I actually just found the original sketchbook that I started it in. And it's, it fucking blew my mind because they're so, I mean, it's so sketchy, but I started drawing the cartoons sort of as like, I'll say it, like a cry for help. I was just like, I <laughs> and I was working at a gym, but it wasn't that I was at the front desk because I, I have a lot of experience working with children. So I was working in like the children play pen area, but it was like, it's a like hip little um, chic Silver Lake gym so nobody had kids so I would literally sit from like nine to two every day in this playpen a grown person like grown woman and then like <laughs> in the dark and then like while hot women go to yoga and they would walk past the big glass window and look at me and frown and I was really uh <laughs> it was really embarrassing and so I would just sit there and try to act busy and there's only so much you can do on your phone. And so then I was just like, well, I guess I'll start doodling. And I um, kept a journal. And it was sort of like I was writing jokes and, and journals and stuff. And then I would do little sketches. And then there was an idea that I had. The first drawing that I remember doing was a joke that I had that I couldn't figure out how to, you know, tell on stage. or, or I love or, that. Yeah, and it was something like basically the the and the drawing was um, like when it, whenever a man asks me to like sit on his face, it makes me feel like a mother hen, and I didn't know how to do that. <laughs> so I like an anamorphs cartoon me squatting on a man's face, slowly turning into this like fucked up like hen you know, <laughs> on an egghead. And, um, and I threw that <laughs> and I like sent it to a friend of mine cause I thought it was funny. And then she thought it was funny. And then I just sort of, I mean, I just made little doodles like that in a big sketchbook. And then I bought a sketchbook, my first sketchbook for, you know, in years and started making these little jokes and they were all, they were all sex related. And it was something where it was like, I've had these thoughts and I've had these conversations and I've had these inside jokes with like, you know, predominantly female friends for the entire time that I've been sexually active and I didn't know where to put it ever. And so I started collecting them. And the first idea was like, well, maybe this could be like a book one day or whatever. And I really was a I'm still am like very afraid of Instagram. I'm like very afraid of Twitter. And so it was not my goal to be online with it, but it is, you know, also like that's sort of the thing. Instagram is a, is really depending on what you're making can be a really great platform for artists. So I started with the like encouragement of everybody around me because I was truly petrified. Like I started putting them online and you can see 
on my profile. It doesn't take long. You can scroll down to the bottom and see what the first ones really looked like. And they are simple. I would draw them on paper, take a picture of it. And then with the photo edits that come on your iPhone, I would with my finger color them in if I could. And they, you know, looked like shit, <laughs> but it was like fun. And it really got the point across. And I just tried to do it, you know, like multiple times a week. And it was just a pastime, you know, and then it like fucking people responded and it was incredible. It was so cool. And, you know, now it's like, holy shit. It's just so weird how sometimes that stuff happens. I had no plan to have this be a part of my life. And now it's like my whole world is I, you know, tell people I'm a cartoonist. It's what I do for money. It's, um, it's um, insane. That's awesome. Was it an instant hit or what were the first milestones? I mean, my friend Alex Heller, who's a comedian and she runs a meme account called the Mentally Trillist. It's like a mental illness like meme account. And she um, uh, saw it and like promoted it a lot and was just like, this is really good. You got to keep doing this and was just extremely supportive. And then this guy who's this other big account like gave me this other big boost like a couple months later. This guy Alec with pen is. I love him. He's so sick. I love his work. I've been following him for years. He's hilarious. He's really great. He's just a. I mean, you know, he's another cartoonist comedian guy, and um, yeah, his work is wonderful. It also deals with, I would say, like depression and like you know, really like emotionally vulnerable material. But he's just, like, so deeply funny. And anyway, so he, like, promoted the shit out of the account. And, you know, I got followers from it. And then it just has continued to grow since then. And it's just, um, it's just super cool. And I think I sort of realized, you know, I was, like, on to something when I started to see the DMs come in to the account that were, like, people, strangers, unprovoked, started just, like, telling me their you know, their stuff, their, their like deepest, darkest secrets or whatever, or moments of embarrassment. And it was just like, holy shit, this is like a weirdly untapped community. It was like, I couldn't believe that. Like, it was just really, really, really cool. I feel really, really lucky. That's amazing. Would you say that there was like a moment where you were like, oh shit, this is real. Or was it just like a gradual kind of dawning where you're like, oh, these two People that I really respect just gave me like major props on Instagram and like, you know, oh, I'm starting to get DMs. Was it like sudden or did you just kind of start noticing a wave? I think it was like a little bit of both. I would say a couple of things, obviously, like getting promoted by those people is like, you know, awesome. But also my account got deleted or like, you know, disabled by Instagram eight or nine times in the first couple of months that it was active. Wow. And the first time it happened, it was six days into its existence. And it's like, and also, you know, my art has improved a lot since I started, but also like my art back then, it was like, it was so simple. I mean, these are like lines. These are like really crudely drawn figures that Instagram was, you know, wiping, thinking that I was like a sex bot or like whatever, uh, and like deeming it, you know, inappropriate for viewers or whatever the fuck. So having that happen was sort of a wake up call where it's like, oh, holy shit, I didn't realize um, how hard it is to talk about human bodies and sex in a way that is like not, I'm not soliciting anybody. I'm not, you know, whatever. I support sex workers, by the way, but like, but you know, it's like, I, like, I'm not, I'm not 
I'm not, <laughs> these are, cards. you're not even trying to no. be crude no. and no. you're still, yeah. No, I'm literally like arrow pointing to an anatomical drawing of a fucking vulva. And it's like, Instagram is like, you can't do that. And I, you know, so that was a moment. And then also to be real, a couple weeks into the account, I was out to dinner with my family and I got a DM from a girl who was like, I'm 15 and I have nobody to talk to about this. And if I ever tried to tell my mom about this, like she would kill me and none of my friends talk about this stuff, but I want to lose my virginity and I feel like I'm ready, but I don't know how, so can you help me? And it was like this earnest, earnest moment from this girl who was just like, had literally nobody else to fucking talk to. And it was just like, you know, it was really kind of astounding to see. I didn't think that I was doing anything. I still don't think that I'm doing anything that fucking like radical. It's just talking about sex. But then you realize like in so many parts of our country and the world, people don't do that. They can't. They feel like they can't or they feel like they shouldn't. And it's really upsetting to me. You're destigmatizing and diminishing everybody's shame by just having this conversation. But I heard you talk about a story that you share or a cartoon that you shared that was about one of your personal experiences where it kind of it made me wonder about the reverse of that. Mm. It was a situation when you were younger with an older guy I mean, I guess what I'm asking about is like, now do you feel this responsibility in how you tell these stories because of when it might seem like you're condoning something like an inappropriate age relationship or whatever? Do you know what I mean? Like, how much does that factor in when you're telling this story? And do you feel a little bit beholden to that? Uh, That's a good question. I mean, I think it's tough because, I, you know, I really try not to censor what I say on that account when I'm talking about my own experience, you know, because it's like, well, this is undeniable. And I think the important thing, especially with, I think the story that you're, was it the online thing? Yeah. Do you want to explain that just a little bit for listeners to give some context? hundred percent. Yeah, no, I, I, um, you know, I, I, when I was like 15, I had a very sexual relationship with an older man online who I like met on like truly like chat roulette or like one of those sites. And we like developed like a Skype relationship and he was, you know, 30 or something. I think he maybe had a kid and it Mm. was something that we, I engaged with, we engaged with for like in for, for, I mean, years. And I, at the time didn't, think that it was bad. In fact, I, at the time, and this is what I explored in the cartoon and I just sort of laid it out as it was and as I remember it, which is fucking complicated. And obviously I'm not condoning pedophilia Mm -hmm. because at Mm -hmm. the end of the day, that is what that was. And I would never, I would never condone that, but this is what happened. And at the time as a 15 year old exploring my sexuality, I thought that I was in control of the situation And I thought that it was an empowering thing for me. I felt empowered by it at the time. And I felt like, well, it's not bad because like, he's not here with me. It's in my room. It's a contained thing that I, you know, control. And I, you know, like don't have to talk to this guy if I don't want to. And it never went beyond 
truly like it wasn't like we made plans to see each other we never made you know plans or promises or anything like that it was just like you know i would be in my room we would talk we would talk about fucking movies or whatever you could possibly talk to a child about and then sometimes we would have skype sex and i'm not saying that that's uh okay because again it's not but it was it's just something that i look back on and it's complicated. It's complicated to me. I don't really know what the answer is because that stuff is like, well, you know, technology is new. This is all still really new. Even though it's been around since we were little, it's really fucking new. So my parents, like, I, they, they don't know about that, I don't think. And I don't know what they would have done if they did find out, you know? It's also like, it, it, that literally is a parent's worst nightmare, I would say. Mm-hmm. That's sort of like, you know, chat rooms are dangerous 101. And it happened to me. And, um, you know, it's like the thing that I think about a lot is like, oh, while I, I feel like I trusted this guy, you know, he fucking could have recorded me and I have no idea. I'll never know. And it's just something where it's like something like that, writing about it. I truly in my heart do not believe that me saying that something happened is the same thing as me condoning it. You know, no, no, I'm not saying that. But I just mean, do you wrestle with those questions? Absolutely. No, I I wasn't accusing you. Yeah, you know, but it's, you know, it was a hard thing to post because I was like worried that people would think that I was, you know, but I chose to because I wanted people to understand because I know that I'm not alone. in that. I know that I have other friends that have have done the same things, you know, and I just think it's important to talk about it because it's like if we don't, then like. What else is there? If you're going to feel alone with something, I just feel like that is the, one of the most harmful things, especially with like sex and, and relationships and abuse and, and everything. It's mm-hmm. like you have to feel like you are not alone with it. Yeah, that's so well said and so beautiful and you're 100% right. And I love that you were so vulnerable with your audience to let them know about it because I feel like one thing that we don't talk about enough is how women from the time where young girls are raised to literally believe that having sexual appeal and having men or boys be into us is an achievement. So then it becomes something when you're 15 and you're noticing that you're developing more and more people are paying attention to you. It's really hard to then turn off all of the societal conditioning, which has taught you that, you know what, you're actually really mature. And you know what, if you feel sexy, you are without understanding that sexy in your own world is different than uh, when your sexuality gets co-opted by an adult. And I think we don't know that when it's happening when we're young. And it's really hard to see the line being drawn when you're also turned on and you have feelings. And for a lot of men who are doing this to girls, that's part of it. They are making you feel like you are a willing accomplice. This is something that you want because you yourself are a sexual being. So you're getting manipulated and groomed in a way that in a weird way ties in your sexuality into their sexuality, which is so damaging because you yourself should get to be a sexual person and grow up into a woman without having an adult man interfere. But pretty much no girls that I know who are women now got that as girls. Well, what intrigues me about it too is that like you were seeking 
agency in a sexual outlet in a way. I mean, the way that you tell the story is beautiful because like it is so nuanced and complicated. I mean, of course you had a want for that too. It just wasn't the appropriate outlet. It's just, (laughs) it's just so, all of it is so complicated. But that's what I'm saying, like tying in a young girl's sexuality into a man's like sexual fulfillment makes something that on her own is not in any way shameful or dirty or gross then get tied up in these weird moral complications because the man is 30 and she's 15, you know? And I think that's what sucks about it is it it, it like completely hampers a normal 15 year old to develop these sexual feelings and to test them out in a way that's not like where she's being preyed upon. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. It's, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, I feel like even 10 years ago, if I told that story out loud, you know, I would have only been met with like, well, you were literally asking for it. You went online, you sought it out, you were attracted to this person you like put yourself out there and it's like, you know, in a way, all of those things are true. Everything that was just said is true. I did want to be there. I engaged with it myself, but it's like, yeah, obviously he should have fucking known better. Obviously that guy like is a pedophile. That's Mm -hmm. not okay. And it shouldn't be up to me. And it's like, it's not my fault that I'm a, a horny <laughs> teen exactly has mm-hmm. something to get out and wants to feel empowered in my own body. You know, that's, that's not on me. It's not on me. It's on the adult. It always is. And it always will be. That's it. End of fucking story, man. It's like all of these, like every comedian that, you know, whatever, what, we can get into that, but like, you know, oh, yeah. just stand up news, just like, oh yeah, cool. Everybody's a fucking pedophile. Yeah. Obvi- great. But it's like anybody, you know, who argues like, well, even if like they, you know, we're talking about like the legal age of consent. Well, you know, she was 18 or she was 19 and he was, you know, 42 and whatever. It's like, they're a legal consenting adult. It's like, yeah, think about who you were at that time. Think about who you were as a 19 year old person <laughs> like yeah, I right. really did not have the capacity to like deal with you know like I dude it's like if I had a fucking nickel for mm-hmm. every every old dude I dated when I was in my early 20s late teens every old dude my friends dated when they were in their early 20s late teens it's just this like vicious disgusting cycle it's literally like oh, the culture of you're mature for your age. It's like, what is this? What's going on here? It's so fucked up. I feel like you just took us to church. Thank you. 100%. (laughs) Yes, you did. I got shivers because that was so real. Yeah, it's weird that we like learn to take that as a compliment when you're like 13 and a guy's like, oh, I thought you were 18. You seem so mature for your age instead of being like, oh, he's saying that so he can feel okay about trying to fuck me. It's, you know, there's the line. And as soon as we're a little bit over it or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. How can we make this okay for this man? Hey, Courtney, do you know who the lead singer of U2 is? Bono. You got it. Oh, my God. You're going to crush on Trivia Star. What's Trivia Star? 
So glad you asked. Trivia Star is a free mobile quiz game that's so fun and so challenging. You can choose categories like music, sports, movies, TV, animals, celebrities. There are over 60 categories to choose from, so there's always more trivia to play with. Ooh, I love the sound of that. And if you choose the correct answer from multiple choices and beat the clock, you move on to the next level. And the questions get harder over time, but if you get stuck, don't worry. You can use coins and gems to get a hint and beat the level. Trivia Star has 2,000 five-star reviews in the Apple Store. Join them today and see if you're smart enough to win. And right now, Trivia Star is offering you 2,500 coins and 500 gems when you download and play. Just go to the Apple or Google Store and search for Trivia Star. Again, search Trivia Star and enjoy 2,500 coins and 500 gems. Download Trivia Star for free today. So on a happier note, yes. <laughs> masturbation, common theme in your work. Soph and I, also big fans of masturbation, call ourselves the drill team. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, that is like destigmatizing on a, a very positive level. So what draws you to those kind of stories? Masturbation, I think is just a funny thing always because not for the reasons why I think we see it be funny or like comedic eyes in like film, but like, you know, it's not, I don't think masturbation is embarrassing. I think a lot of people like to talk about masturbation as like this weird, gross thing we all do privately. But it's like, I think it's funny because it's like, <sighs> have you ever seen your reflection when you're actually masturbating? I just like, I think it is so deeply funny how like, and sad, you know, whatever, we can go down that road as well. But it's like, how different, the first time I ever tried to masturbate in front of someone during sex I was, became so aware of like, oh, this only works if I'm literally like <laughs> down on my mattress, yes. back jumping <laughs> a little bit. And then there's like a half cliff bar on like the pillow next to me. That's the only <laughs> way. It's actually the only way I can come. <laughs> That's so funny. It's like you know, man versus man, man versus nature, whatever. This is like just man versus horniness yes. always. It's so crude. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's so funny. And I think there's obviously like, there's reasons for that. It's like when you're when you're little or whatever and like you first start exploring your body and stuff, it's like inherently so like physically awkward. You have no idea what you're doing, whatever. And you're like figuring it out. And then like, that's where it's like, I feel like for a lot of people, it's like, that's where like a stuffed animal comes in. That's where like a corner of a bed comes in or mm -hmm. whatever, you know, all this stuff. And then it's like, well, then obviously that physicality somehow does translate into your adulthood, you know? So all of a sudden it's like, for me, it's like, oh, yeah, I never like penetration was, I, I never penetrated myself when I masturbated. It was all clit stuff. So it was like, oh, it's like, it's like, like, it's so impossible. I have to go through like the most rigorous, like concentration process to come during sex because it's like well yeah that's just not how i learned to come you know and it's, it's just um uh it's it's just so funny yeah i i i love it i love talking about masturbation i feel like everybody it it's it's such a shame obviously that like there's so much stigma around it or that you know people are so embarrassed by it and like yeah it is inherently embarrassing because it, it 
the, the only reason why is I would say is because it, it does reveal something about your childhood in a very real way. Do you know what I'm saying? Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah, yeah. Um, Courtney and I got quoted in a men's health article about masturbation. And one of the things that we talked about in it is like, you're made to feel embarrassed when you get busted when you're young. So yes. then that fucks you up for later because you're like, oh, no, like I, it, it, no one better catch me. So, of course, you can't have a healthy relationship with it when someone made you feel like you just got caught doing something. You're like, I wasn't murdering anyone. Well, why am I ashamed? Yeah, so my vagina. Fun. Yeah. Ow, ow. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, it's so funny, but it's like I would also – I would also be so curious to talk to someone who was like, if whose masturbation experience or whatever was like celebrated in their home. Cause I wonder it's like, yeah. So Emma Cohen, mm-hmm. remember Soph when we had her on the podcast, she did an anthology of basically female orgasm stories. And she said on the podcast that there was like no shame talking about it when she was growing up. So I think if you grow up like that, you just write the book on it. <laughs> You literally are so chill about it. You're like, this would be my debut. <laughs> so great. We love that. But you know what? Like, that's one of the reasons that, I mean, I don't know how you felt about like having your art as your outlet and your stand up as your outlet. But like, one of the stories that I tell on stage is about like getting busted when I was a kid masturbating and like mm-hmm. getting threatened about whatever. And like the reason I started telling that story is because I was so ashamed about it growing up. I would think about it every once in a while and I would be like, if anyone found out about that, I would be so embarrassed. And I wasn't <laughs> embarrassed of like masturbating as an adult or anything, but you know, and then I started telling it on stage and it was like a huge relief to just know like, yeah, if I just say it out loud, there's like no monsters out here anymore. Like it's fine. Do you feel like that kind of amount of release when you do your art and your stand up? Yeah. I mean, I think that's like what art is all about man I really do like if you want to get like groovy with it like I truly it's like what else is it you know it's like how how do we form these connections and how do we change the way that we like view ourselves and like I mean it can be massively therapeutic you know and it's like that is definitely the only reason why I started this account was like you know like for myself I mean to like reckon with a lot of these things like a lot of painful things in my life that I uh, never talked about. I didn't start seeing a therapist until this year. You know, I was just sort of like, I felt so alone with a lot of this stuff, big stuff and small stuff. And it's like, you can't discount how small those things are where it's like literally everyone has a horrible masturbation memory Mm -hmm. of some kind. I swear, you know, and it's like, that doesn't mean that yours isn't like specifically painful to you. Of course But it's like, thank God you can go on stage and you can hear that laughter. And that like tells you, it's like, you know, oh, I'm not alone. This is a common experience. Thank God. And I, yeah, I mean, truly something that I I constantly explore and it's so fun for me to explore is like my child self in the cartoons. And I have so many, I mean, I just, I just posted one that is about the first time I ever tried to have phone sex. And it is such a deeply embarrassing memory. And I have so many cartoons about like weird little horny things that I used to do as a kid. And 
just like, oh, I used to draw my own porn and it was Simpsons themed because. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know, we George. would have been such good friends. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> but for a long time, that lived with me as like, oh, I, I hate myself. And these are the reasons why, because I was so awkward because I, you know, didn't under, I hated my body. I hated the way I looked and blah, 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 blah. And like, now it's sort of become like truly through this process, like a celebration of that child self. And I just like, yeah, it's like massively helpful. That's so beautiful. I don't know if we want to ruin it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think that's, I have more questions, but that's such a great way to end. And I do want you to tell us though about, I've been following you probably for most of the time you've had an account, oh, yeah. I, I guess. Yeah, because it feels like it's probably been about a year. But anyway, um, I've been seeing more kind of social justice themes on your account obviously yeah. recently and um you did a collab on homelessness so if you could kind of tell us about those things and what you're trying to do with that now yeah i mean you know it's like uh i, I feel like it's kind of insane to not uh get involved in some way or another uh, you know like whether or not you have a platform but especially if you do if people are listening mm -hmm. to you it's really easy to be a good person. You know, I mean, I feel like it's like, it's really easy to open yourself up to bigger things and try to help in some way. So I started collaborating with this man, Theo Henderson, uh, who is just fucking awesome and hilarious and great. And he is an unhoused resident of LA and he's been unhoused for, you know, seven years. And he started a podcast it's amazing. It's called We the Unhoused. Consider this a big old plug. Everybody listening to this, please subscribe to his podcast, We the Unhoused. And um, it is just basically like a platform for unhoused voices. And he does interviews. He does like segments called Unhoused News, which is like news coverage that like you never see. You would never see because frankly, like nobody gives a shit about these people. And I think it's like there's 60,000 unhoused people in Los Angeles right now. It's a fucking travesty. It's disgusting mm -hmm. the way that we treat these people. And uh, I, you know, whatever. I like reached out to Theo and was like, you know, I, would you be interested in collaborating and like telling some of your stories um, in a cartoon format? Would you be interested in that? He's like, totally. And so we started making cartoons. It's new. We, we do them monthly. And so we've only made two so far. But the third one's coming out in like a couple weeks. And, um, you know, it's just really real heavy, either comparisons of my life as like a white housed woman and his life as a black unhoused man, or um, his own stories of just being a black unhoused person in the streets of Los Angeles. Uh, he's, he's just, he's just fucking awesome. He's just really great. And, um, you know, we're trying to get this guy home and, 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 and you know, mm -hmm. uh, tr we're trying to like, you know, do whatever we can for this like marginalized community because like, it seems like, you know, the mayor certainly isn't, you know, uh, I, I'm so grateful for like my circle of friends that have like made me more, uh, that have radicalized me. I'm, I'm thankful for DSALA, the Democratic Socialists of uh, Los Angeles um, for radicalizing me. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's just like, gonna be a you know lifelong commitment you know loud ass person for justice that's great yeah 
Where can people find you online? At sex is weird. Sex underscore is underscore weird. Uh, I almost said at Instagram.com because I'm 97 years old. (laughs) 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 At Instagram.edu. And um, uh, my personal Instagram is at Katie Fischel, K-A-T-Y-F-I-S-H-E-L-L. If you want to follow me there as well. Everyone should. Thank you so much. This has been amazing. Such a pleasure. Thank you for doing it. Thank you so much. Ah, Katie is such a gem. Love her so much. That was such a fun interview. And you guys have to follow her, obviously. Yeah, go to sex underscore is underscore weird over on Instagram. And it's been a couple months since we talked to her. We've been saving this interview in our back pocket. So her latest cartoon for the We The Unhoused series is out now. And so many more fun, fresh comics over on that account. So make sure to go give her a follow. And while you're over there just following people and in your following frenzy, maybe you want to follow us. The podcast is at Private Parts Unknown on Instagram and at Private Parts Un on Twitter. And our personal handles are I'm at the Sophia, S O F I Y A. And I'm at Courtney Kosak, last name K O C A K. Just got body painted. You know, if you need a little incentive, Head on over there and check out the sweet body art. Yeah, this is sexy as hell. Courtney is all naked and painted up. And, you know, as her best friend, I highly recommend you look at her naked body. Also, we're going to collab. <laughs> we are going to collab with that body painter. Rustan is cool as shit. And we're definitely going to have him on the podcast at some point. And, of course, we have a bunch of other fun stuff coming up for you. We have more Comedians of OnlyFans. We have more extra special specials including some older freaks, which I'm very excited about. Yeah, that couple who does ecstasy and fucks and they're in their 60s or 70s, older, I think, even 70s. Yeah, so really fun stuff. So stay tuned. Hey, Sophia, what's that bomb-ass music? This music is by our friend Amy Roche. Find her on Spotify, R-A-A-S-C-H. This episode was mixed by Mike Castaneda from Plastic Audio. We love you, Mike. Monster Sorry. Yeah, I was doing that one from Hades. (laughs) Get a little monster in your throat. (laughs) (laughs) And if you've been enjoying what we've been doing, please leave us a five-star review and rating wherever you listen to podcasts. It means so much to us. We read every single one and we'll read yours on air next time. So go for it. Yeah, it's super easy to leave us a rating and review no matter where you're listening. You can just go to ratethispodcast.com slash private. You can leave us a rating and review from whatever platform that you listen. And it makes us feel really warm and fuzzy. So do it. (laughs) See you guys next time. Bye.